It's big game week, so today we are going to take a look at Oregon State, what happened to Cal, and we're going to talk about the big game coming up right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Bear Insider, Ultimate Insider Podcast. I'm Mike Pulaski. Today, we are going to combine both of our podcasts that we usually do during the week because it's big game week. Um, a lot of stuff going on during the week. Obviously, big celebration, 40th year of the play. Uh, my partner, Joe Starkey. And I have been to a lot of events so far this week. And so we're going to combine both these podcasts into one. I'll be talking to head coach Justin Wilcox shortly. We'll be discussing last week's loss to Oregon State and this upcoming game against the Cardinal as well. I will break down the Cardinal and we will talk about Oregon State. So let's start there. Game up in Corvallis. Uh, Coach Wilcox, I think, surmised it best when he said it was just bad football. And it was. Uh, Had a chance to watch the game film. Watch what was going on on offense, on defense, special teams. And this is the first game this year that I look at where I feel like the Bears just didn't have it. Uh, defensively, early on, could not stop the run. They, they did a good job of slowing down that Oregon State offense, had them pinned. And then Oregon State gets that fourth and short play where Cal comes out, gives them a look. Oregon State calls timeout. They come back on, they reset with a different formation, so a new play, and they decide that they are going to take a shot. Cal is in cover zero. Uh, they are locked down man-to-man on the outside. They, uh, Oregon State has a really fast receiver out there. Uh, and Jack Coletto is a former quarterback who can throw the ball, and he throws an absolute dime for the big, big play, 37 yards, I believe it was. And I believe early on that was kind of a backbreaker. Because from that point forward, Bears couldn't quite get it entirely together on defense. You top that off with a special teams punt return for touchdown. And that is two huge plays in the game. A fourth and short, a punt return. Uh, And one of the things I always say, came from Coach Snyder back when I played at Cal, is that when you go on the road, you need to bring three things. You need to bring your defense, you need to bring your discipline, and your special teams. And so right there, the, the defense and discipline on that fourth and short broke down. Uh, And then the special teams as well, uh, not getting the coverage. Oregon State, credit to them. They played it extremely well. But that was, both of those plays combined just felt like big momentum swings in the game. Uh, And defensively, the Bears kind of rebounded a little bit. They were able to stay in it. But by that point, Oregon State had a commanding lead and the offense was not getting anything done on the offense uh, for Cal uh, when they had the ball. So, Made it really difficult. Time of possession was different, I think, by 13 minutes in this game because Oregon State was able to pound the rock. Cal was three and out a lot, uh, and Cal did not get a ton of offense. Their one touchdown came off of the defensive turn takeaway, Jeremiah Irby, on the scoop and score. So that was huge. Um, I think the injuries on Cal's defensive line showed up. They've been injured all year but they've been finding a way to make it happen with duct tape and Bondo and, and kind of putting things together and different blitz packages and different pressures. And, uh, and Jackson Sermon's been an absolute stud in the middle of the field. However, they just couldn't match up with that offensive front for Oregon State. Jim Halchek, we talked about, offensive line coach up there, former Cal coach, uh, is one of the best, if not the best, offensive line coach in the country right now in college football. And so Oregon State just got it done up front. Uh, Cal couldn't match. They didn't have the personnel left to match. Uh, all of their dudes, five, I think five of what would be their starting six guys, a rotation of six guys, 
uh, are out, are injured, or maybe five of their starting seven are out and injured. And so that's tough. And then the secondary, uh, also tough in that you are missing several starters in the secondary as well. And so it makes it tough on defense to get it done. Offensively, um, it comes back to the offensive line again. Uh, Jack Plummer did not have time all night long to throw the football, never got to be comfortable back there in the pocket. They were ineffective running the football. Their blocking schemes, as I watched them on film, were absolutely confusing to me because I, I don't understand what they were trying to do. And if I don't understand what they're trying to do, then you know that you were in trouble. Uh, rather than max protect all night, Bears ran a bunch of scat protection, getting the back out of the backfield. Oregon State was bringing different blitzes, different pressures, different dogs. Uh, and Jack didn't always throw his hot when he had hots. Uh, the hots weren't always set up properly. And rather than max protect and keep guys in the box to pick up pressure uh, and let your receivers on the outside win their one-on-ones, Bears decided to scat protect, leave five on six or seven, so there's a free hitter coming. And that is a problem for a quarterback. Plus then, you knew going in that Oregon State's defense was really good. They were number one in the Pac-12 in terms of defense, 24 in the country, very good against the run, top four in you know, the top four defensive categories. And so... Bears were just ineffective on offense uh, versus that vaunted Oregon State defense. And play calling as a part of it, mirrored routes, leaving your tackles back there uh, on an island got them in trouble. Not taking advantage of some of the college rules for play calling got them in trouble. And obviously, uh, there was a big turnover this week in terms of staff at Cal. I like Angus. I like Billy. I think they're both good coaches in their own right. But they didn't have the chemistry here, not this year. The offense wasn't getting it done. And so football is a performance-based deal at the college level. And you need to perform or you're out, whether you're a player or a coach. And the fact that uh, Billy and Angus were let go, uh, obviously based on performance, but it also sends a message there's a standard that players have to live up to as well. All that said, had a chance to talk to Coach Justin Wilcox during the week, and we'll hit that interview right now. Well, joining us now, head coach Justin Wilcox. And coach, obviously, you got a chance to look at the film. A game uh, disappointing, I think, for all. Give me your opinion on the game now that you've seen it in retrospect. Yeah. Um, you know, defensively started slow. Uh, they had, a, you know, three, four, maybe two or three fourth down conversions early in the game. We were kind of playing in our end zone, our half of the field, um, which wasn't great. And they put the ball in the end zone twice early. Then we kind of settled in a little bit and played better. Um, and then again, in the second half, whether it was missed tackles, uh, some missed opportunities, the balls on the ground, you know, the, the pass defense, you know, and some one-on-ones was not great. Um, and so just overall wasn't good enough on defense. Um, had a few stretches where we kind of settled and played, played all right, but uh, overall not quite good enough. Uh, offensively struggled, um, you know, we we just couldn't get get into much rhythm. You know, we started the game very slowly. We had, you know, six out of the twelve, or six out of the first twelve or thirteen plays were, you know, you know, negative plays or uh, penalties or a drop or something like that. So started slowly, just didn't didn't get enough done. Um, had a couple drives that we put together, got down uh, inside the ten uh, yard line one time, and then we had a, a penalty that backed us up. So. 
uh, not good enough there. And then the special teams, you know, the punt return touchdown was a big one. Uh, we were punting from deep in our own territory and uh, hit a decent, not a great punt, and then didn't leverage the ball and scored. So that was really a tough one because if we would have just played a little better there on the punt, got a stop on defense, maybe a score, and then going to halftime, it's a different different feel. So just overall not good enough football. And it's one of those things when you go on the road that, you know, you always say you got to bring your defense, you got to bring your discipline, got to bring your special teams, right? Those three things, super important on the road. And early on, uh, Oregon State seemed to take advantage in a couple of those phases. Yeah. Again, the first drive, I think it was two, two fourth downs. So we had some third down stops, but again, they'll, they, where they were on the field, they're going to go for it on fourth down. So it was either two or three early in the game. We can't remember now, but, um, and then they converted and then uh, scored it. And then, uh, you know, this, the second one, we threw interception on the, uh, our, our second first play of our second offensive series. And then they start with the ball there. We gave up a couple plays and then they score again. So you're put yourselves in a hole really quickly. And then defense settled in, got some stops. And then we gave up the punt return touchdown. So now it's 21 and, uh, later on in the game, made a nice play on a on a short yardage, got a stop and a scoop and score, which was great, but really never capitalized after that. Yeah, and one of those things we talk about discipline. You know, you know, Jack Coletto is what he is when he comes in the game. Mm-hmm. They short yardage, he's their guy. He can run it, he can throw it, he can do all that stuff. And it's really hard to stay disciplined as a defensive player. I imagine, right? You're thinking short yardage, they're trying to get a yard. This guy's known as the jackhammer. How hard is it to stay home and? And then, yeah, I mean, it's difficult because you're, yeah, you get into those situations and he's, you know, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And then they get into a fourth and short and we're a little late on the, you're going to play to have a chance to stop the run. You're going to play essentially a zero type box and uh, yeah, you commit to it, right? We're yeah, going to stop the yeah, run period. Yeah. Everybody. Cause if not, if you're playing cover two, you just feel like you're going to feel like a fool because they run the ball on you. And so, um, you know, we were off and lost uh, lost our leverage there, and and then he threw a post route. I mean, and he threw a post route to a fast guy and ran away from us, and the guy made a nice catch, and then, you know, now they're down in the low red. So uh, that is difficult. I mean, those are situations where we have to rise to the occasion and make a play, and uh, it's also a, a very good play by that guy. Yeah, no, great throw too, right? You, you never saw him warming up. You never saw any of that, or else you'd been like, ah, let's think about the pass here. But he just goes out there and throws a dime on a deep post. That's pretty impressive. We talked about it. He's a football player, so give him you know, his due, obviously. Offensively, um, you said you never got in rhythm. Mm-hmm. We talked about the offensive line week in, week out, but there was some stuff when you look at film where I, I couldn't understand it. You know, miss, either missing calls or not throwing scat route, like stuff that just didn't come together fundamentally. It wasn't wasn't schematically sound. Yeah, we just had too many uh, breakdowns, whether it was uh, not uh, either identification or uh, maybe not throwing it to the the guy at the right time or or seeing who's, you know, seeing who we're hot off of. Um, So a couple breakdowns there, um, you know, and we had a a couple opportunities to keep some drives alive and didn't. And uh, yeah, just overall didn't didn't have much rhythm, unfortunately. Absolutely. So we'll kind of we'll get off that this week. Obviously, the big news, you make some staff changes there. Bill Musgrave, Angus, you know, both out. It's never easy when you talk about somebody's job, right? These are people. We all like them as people. Uh, and so that's not difficult. Fans get into it and they're, you know, they're always calling for heads or whatever. Yeah. But these are human beings. They're, you know, they have lives. And so uh, it's a tough one. How hard was that decision for you? Oh, incredibly. Um, it's uh, there's really no 
it, it doesn't feel good at all. Um, we have a ton of respect for, for those guys. They're really good people and coaches. They know football. Um, you know, it was a cumul cumulative uh, decision. It wasn't a game uh, or even two games. It was just kind of a cumulative decision. And, you know, my job at the end of the day is, you know, to make decisions void of emotion or relationships. And I truly have to look, what is, what do I believe is best for our team? And um, so those are very, very hard. And um, that that's my role. And I take that very seriously. And at the end of the day, uh, I have to make decisions in the best interest of the team. Um, and again, it's not their fault by any means. It just, uh, I felt like it was time that we needed to move in a different way. Right. Without blame, it's on their watch. And so that's what happens. Uh, I, I remember as a player going through that when I was playing professionally and had a head coach who I still adore to this day. I still talk to him all the time. And I was trying to negotiate coming back. We just won the championship and our GM did not want to part with any dollars. And I'm like, just trade me, you know, just move me, do something. And my head coach is like, partner, I love you, but I'm gonna always do what's best for the team. And here's one of my really good friends. And his job as a CEO is to say, I have to think about team first. And so that's kind of where you're at. Um, on top of that, you know, there is a, there is an aspect to it now where you have players on your team that you need to keep recruiting, right? It's different than it used to be in the old days. So you got guys that they need to have, they need to see a light at the end of the tunnel. They need to know that not only this game that we're going forward, but we're moving forward, stepping up. And so yeah. how much of that goes into it? Well, you know, I think at the end, uh, we're all responsible for our performance and my, I take responsibility for the performance of the team and we haven't been good enough. And then our, our coaches, uh, whether it's uh, position or coordinators or strength and conditioning or whoever it may be, they're responsible for their units. And uh, the players are responsible for their performance on and off the field. And so they have responsibility as well. And I think, uh, you know, we talk a lot about that. Um, we talked about it, you know, in the team meeting on Monday. And, you know, these these are difficult times, but what we the standard is the standard, you know, and it's we kind of talk about uh, the standards over feelings and we need to make sure that we're uh, living up to our, to our potential as often as humanly possible. And so that's what this, this is all about. And we recognize that it's a new era of college football and decisions are made from, you know, the program level and the individual player level and all that's taken into consideration. Yeah. And I mean, you don't have to answer it, but coaches also have to live up to standards. Right. And so if players see coaches slide or any of the other players slide in those standards, then you, you end up with a really bad situation. So we'll just leave it there. But uh, going forward this week, so all that we'll say who is calling plays, who like, what are the responsibilities on the staff? Yeah. So offensive line, you know, uh, Mike Safel, who's done a fantastic job for us here. will I step into that role with support off the field from uh, Coach Greatwood, who's been here. Um, Kenny, uh, who's been uh, working with us and as an analyst, is going to help support us in organizing some QB meetings. Jeep, uh, Chris, is going to kind of organize the big picture of things. But it's a very, uh, to be honest with you, Mike, it's a real collaborative environment. Um, the, you know, from uh, Jeep, obviously, but Aristotle Thompson and Burl Toller, and Mike and all of us are sitting in there. There's a lot of guys in the room right now who are uh, Burrow. Like I said, we just were sitting in there talking about third downs and uh, really eager to uh, do what we can do to, to support our team. So we've kind of spread it out a little bit. Um, it'll be a collaborative effort. And, 
uh, it'll be the same during the game. And we're going to structure the game plan in a way that essentially uh, it'll be prepared beforehand. And there'll be some decisions to make in game, but in a way that, you know, uh, any one of us could, could uh, you know, make decisions during the game. Yeah. And best coaching staffs are collaborative too, right? That's why you have an entire staff. If you're, you know, you can't see everything on every place. So you have to have guys with eyes on that are telling you what they're seeing and how they're contributing anyway. So if you're calling plays and you're not collaborative, then there's something else going on there as well. So that's a big deal. So now coach, obviously rightfully upset about uh, that game last week and made the moves uh, in terms of personnel, in terms of Angus and Billy and bears have to move on. Now they will get together and as a joint effort on that offensive side of the ball, call plays with Justin Wilcox's input as well on the offensive side of the ball. So uh, we will see what they can do as a group of coaches together calling plays this week versus Stanford. Let's talk about the Cardinal a little bit. They have been struggling as well, offensively and defensively. um, They are having a hard time. They are allowing 32.4 points per game as opposed to Cal coming in at 27.9, so almost 28 points per game. Their total defense, 436.5 per game. And their rushing defense, really poor at 222 a game. So they are giving up some points on defense. Meanwhile, on offense, also not very good. They are averaging 21 points a game on offense, uh, which puts them about two points behind Cal in terms of what they're doing scoring-wise. Last five games... Their highest point total, which was versus Notre Dame, is 16 points. Uh, Over the last three games, they have allowed 132 points. So they have their last, they've won two of their last five games, which is interesting because they beat Notre Dame 16 to 14 and they beat Arizona State 15 to 14 with five field goals. But their offensive output has been poor. they gave up 38 to UCLA. They gave up 52 to Washington State, and they gave up 42 to Utah. And so uh, this is not a battle of two offensive titans coming into this game, to say the least. It is uh, Stanford doing what they did. They changed their offense this year. They went to a slow mesh look. Wake Forest has been running that for the last couple of years. It looks very awkward, like the quarterback is indecisive. But the point is that the quarterback is going to stick that ball in He's going to ride that running back for as long as possible. And you have to decide as a defense, am I going to come up and tackle the run right now, commit to the run? In which case the quarterback can RPO you and throw that ball behind you where the linebacker has left. Or I'm going to stay back and play the pass, in which case that quarterback can finally allow the running back to take off with that ball. And he gets, you know, automatically you're giving up four or five yards in that design. Now, the key is if your defensive line can get home, that slow mesh is pointless because if you get penetration, if you get to the ball, if you get to that mesh, Uh, or create levels in that backfield where that mesh is happening. It makes it way tougher to be effective offensively. And so, obviously, Stanford has not had great success with it. They ran the ball well early, but they have had injuries at their running back position uh, this year. Starting, not just injuries, starting Pete and Jones, their two main running backs coming into the season, both transferred out. Then they lose uh, Casey Felkins, who was a running back for them as well. Uh, and they have just moved down the list of running backs. They have now asked a safety uh, to move over, who was recruited as a safety, 
he was a good high school running back, was not recruited as a running back to play running back for them in this game. And so they are going to be starting at that safety position. It's going to be Mitch Lieber, and he was recruited to play safety for Stanford. So we will see him back there at the running back position. Tanner McKee, very talented quarterback. People picture him as the NFL prototype quarterback. Uh, he is big, six foot six. He can throw the ball. He's got a decent release, uh, but he has not been great. His last five games, he has one touchdown pass. If the Cardinals unable to run the football, uh, their passing game play action stuff off of it is also trouble as well. And so uh, he has not been great in this offense. He's 60% passer on the year, 11 touchdowns, but seven interceptions as well. So they're struggling on offense, easiest way to say it. And defensively, over the last couple of games, they have had some major injuries as well. So lost four guys in one game versus Washington State right away. Uh, and ended up getting smoked 52 to, I believe, 14 in that game. Uh, but they have been struggling both sides of the ball. So trying to get it together, uh, David Shaw, who started off averaging over 10 wins a season, I think for his first six seasons, uh, has not had a winning season in four years. So... Uh, this year also will not have a winning season. Uh, Cardinal Bears trying to figure out what's going to happen in this one. Like I said, not an offensive Titan. I think the Bears' defense uh, gives them an edge in this one. I think some of the injuries to Stanford's defense also uh, is helpful to Cal. I'm not sure exactly how the matchup goes. Defensively, uh, Stanford has some dudes. Caillou Blue Kelly is very good as... Uh, a corner. He's an NFL prototype guy out there. He's a very good football player for them as well. They have an excellent edge player, David Bailey from modern day. Uh, true freshman started a game uh, at, at that edge position, eight and a half tackles for loss, uh, two and a half sacks on the season, physically very talented, but still just a freshman as well. So they got some guys that can play back there. Tristan Sinclair, son of Andy Sinclair, uh, playing there at that linebacker position. So they've got some guys um, but they are dinged up on that in that secondary as well. So we will see coming up. Right now we'll hear from Justin Wilcox on Stanford uh, and listen to Coach's thoughts. It's big game week. There is a ton going on within the program, but now there's a ton going on outside of the program as well. How do you manage that coming into this week? Well, it still goes back. To, I want the, the guys on the team to appreciate the big game. I mean, it's one of the greatest rivalries in all of sports, not just football. 125th version. Uh, so we want them to appreciate that and recognize that, uh, importance to the folks, uh, not only them, but outside of the building, you know, the, the university and the fans and the student body. And that's a, that's a good thing. But ultimately what we do is like meetings, practice preparation. And the best thing we can do to honor the big game is uh, play really well. So that's what we're focused on. Talk to me about Stanford's offense. They've had some struggles this year, trying to put points on the board. Uh, quarterback, you know, they've, they've, they've gone back and forth a little bit there. Running back, they are down now uh, to – I'm not sure who's going to play running back for them this week. So talk about Stanford, where they're at, what you see on film. They're a well-coached unit. Their rec record doesn't – you know, isn't indicative of, um, you know, the schematics or anything like that. They've had some tough losses. Um, they're a capable team. There's no doubt about that. We know they'll be ready to play. The quarterback's a very talented player. The receiver, whose brother's on our team, very good player. Um, you know, they have talent. Um, 
and they have our full attention. I'll just put it that way. I mean, we know how, you know, how capable they are. We know what kind of uh, coaches they have. And so we're just real interested in playing much better, more consistent version of football for us. As And as Stanford always has, big receivers, right? Tall guys yeah. who can run a little bit, but they can go up and get it. How does that change what you do defensively and how much more important is technique being right on the spot in those games? Yeah, it is. And there's, you know, there's um, certain things coverage-wise you, you can do and implement. Um, there's also, you know, there's there's only so many defenses out there. And you, you don't really have anywhere guys jump on another guy's shoulders. I mean, you know, there's – we're not our, – our defensive backs are not going to get taller between now and, and Saturday. So we got to utilize great technique. We have to change some leverage from time to time and uh, move the stress around within the defense because, again, it's not like they just run one play. So um, we recognize that, uh, and there is – they have size and height, and we're going to have to do a great job technically to uh, play really well. And then – Injuries in your secondary. Obviously, your D line's been banged up all year long. Like you're down to, you know, some younger players there, some guys who who weren't projected as starters to start the season, uh, really contributing big time. Your secondary also banged up. Where do you guys stand there? Uh, we're, bit, we're we're banged up, you know, and uh, nobody's going to feel sorry for us. Um, there are some guys that uh, you know we'll see if they can get back um, this week, but we're not quite sure yet, and. Uh, the guys that are in there, I think, can play better. You know, I think Isaiah can continue to improve. Jeremiah Irby um, is still growing as a player. He's going to get better the more and more he plays. Tyson McWilliams, uh, same. I think Miles Williams is, uh, you know, from the SC game and last week. Hasn't been perfect, but he showed us something. Uh, so I want to watch him continue to to grow his role. But uh, I don't know that we're going to get – we'll see if, how many guys we get back. But uh, at the end of the day, we need the guys that are available to continue con- – to continue to improve. Absolutely. Let's flip sides of the ball now. Offensively, as you look at their defense, it looked like a man team, cover one team first, a little bit of four, a little, you know, mix in the three and some of those other split safety looks, two and six. Um, Talk to me about having timing throws. You get, you face cover one, you can get some timing throws now, which is, which would definitely help the offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. I think we want to do a great job of, you know, obviously designing the runs and the throw game, throw game in normal down and distance to be really efficient. Make sure we try to give our guys answers, whether it's a single high or if we get some split safety looks or if we're getting some spinner, you know, uh, spinner looks out of their defense um, and keep those things on time. I think that's, you know, the longer the play goes uh, and gets out of rhythm uh, hasn't been one of our strengths this year. So we need to stay in rhythm uh, and knowing that there's times when, Things happen. We're going to have to adapt and adjust on the fly, but doing a really good job. The goal is to go in with with some answers to make sure that we can stay on rhythm in the run and the pass game. Yeah, creating an opportunity to get those looks. Do you go more no huddle? Do you go more kind of at the line of scrimmage make calls where you can kind of lock them into something? Well, uh, we do have that available, Mike. I mean, we're going to have both available, huddle and no huddle. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll, uh, see on Saturday how much we use of each. Yeah, absolutely. Don't give away the shop. Appreciate it, Coach. (laughs) All right, thanks for your time, Coach. Appreciate it. Good luck this week in the big game. Uh, Looking forward to seeing the product. Thanks, Mike. So that wraps it up. Big game week. Uh, Obviously, the Bears need to get it back together, need to get on track. Guys are auditioning for their jobs right now, and coaches are working hard to keep kids based on the transfer portal availability uh, This in college football the way it exists right now. So 
everybody's working together to try to find that sweet spot where teams can keep their players and where players can keep their jobs and keep moving forward. So important that guys play well, obviously for the program, obviously for themselves. Even if they do want to hit the transfer portal, they still have to play well uh, if they want good game film to go out. I appreciate you guys watching. Uh, I am looking forward to the big game, 125th rendition, 40th anniversary of the play. You can always catch me and my partner, Joe Starkey, uh, on KGO for the, for the call of the game. Remember, you can always, if you like more football nerdy detailed stuff, you can always go to Elite Athletes TV at YouTube, and I break down a ton of college games, plays, breakdown, all that stuff uh, if you want to learn X's and O's on the game. I appreciate you guys watching. For Bear Insider and the Ultimate Insider Podcast, I'm Mike Pulaski. Go Bears.